Well, ha, hello folks, and welcome to We the Motherfucking Peeps. This is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you are going to get to know everything that you wish you knew from the jump, motherfucker, about the USMNT. I am Clayton, and I'm an artist. I'm Ty, I'm an entrepreneur. And we love the Nats. And we might have to put an explicit tag on our show from now on, because I just cursed a lot in the beginning of this show, which I avoid doing normally, but we just beat Mexico in the final with our C team. So go to bed, children, because we have to discuss. It's We the Peeps. We the Peeps. Welcome to We the Peeps. Are you ready for We the Peeps? Holy moly, it's We the Peeps. This game was USA versus Mexico. In the final, who? Oh, final. I think I said Mexico. In the final. Oh, Mexico? Yes, indeed. El Tree, if you will. El Tree. Of the Gold <laughs> Cup, son. The Copa de Oro. The USA would win this game. One to zero. It would go to extra time. There is very much to discuss. My heart bleeds for the USMNT. I am burping from this Modelo that I am proudly drinking in victory. <laughs> In conquest. In conquest. <laughs> we have done it, folks. We have defeated Mexico in two finals. Not one, not one, but two finals. Not one. In one summer. I want to start talking about this as soon as possible, but first, please, some housekeeping real quick. Hit us up on Twitter at WTPPod. You've got to do that. You have to do that because that's where you find out all the stuff that we're doing. Um, whether that's streaming live during the during the shows or just our thoughts during the club game, which is about to kick off again. Once this tournament ends, there will not be U.S. games for you know a few weeks, and uh, I want you to know that you can stay with us and you can stay supporting the Nats by following us on Twitter at WTPPod. Do that. Keep in mind as well that this show is not free for us to produce. Uh, we spend a lot of time, we spend literal dollars of our own uh, money to make this happen, and we love it, and we're very passionate about it, and we will do it no matter what, but if you can help us stem the bleeding, uh, that will be very helpful. Uh, so please go to patreon.com forward slash WTPpod to support this show financially. That is incredibly impactful for our lives, and we believe that by supporting us on the Patreon, as many of you have already chosen to do, you are having an impact on American soccer culture at large, which is how we see incredible victories like the one that we have just witnessed. Your actions matter. Take part. Uh, we are on YouTube. Search us up. We the peeps. Find us on there. We stream live. We streamed live during this entire game, during this entire tournament. We streamed this entire thing, our reactions, and many of you were with us uh, for that. And we are so grateful to those of you who, who went along with us on this journey. This was really our first competition where we, we leaned in on the live streams. And Ty, what do you think? How'd it go? Dude. 
Fantastic. Pretty awesome. Fantastic. It's pretty awesome. I, I, I love watching the games with you, with the peeps. Get the chat going. I, I, I have so much fun. Sometimes I miss things in the game. Straight I up. I need to fix that. I need to somehow. <laughs> we will work on that. There are many aspects yes. of this whole thing that we are working on all I'm the time. I'm usually like an obsessive note taker as well. Oh. But I just get so caught up in having fun. It's so much fun, guys. Hang out with us on YouTube. And um, you can also experience the shows uh, live as we record. And they are... Sometimes rougher than you might expect. Um, so, so be with us in this. We are all fans together in this. We earned this together. We did this. Last thing, please, please tell one person that you know that the USMNT is about to has just defeated Mexico in two finals in a row, and this team is about to go into World Cup qualifying, which will build to the most important i'm sorry the olympics i'm sorry but to the most loved sporting event in the world the world cup we are almost there for another cycle now is the time to tell your friends that you love this team and that you love this show and if they don't know what's going on with this team there's one place where they can go where they will find the answers that they are looking for and that is we the peeps am i right you're right Let's well do this thing. End of house or keeping. Sweep, sweep, sweep. Oh, baby. Get out there. How many gloves you got? Let me line up this C team lineup for you. Let me line up these guys that, you know, we didn't think a whole, we, we didn't give them a whole lot of uh, a shrift. You know, we gave them the short shrift, as they say. No mas. Matty two hands turn it. Matty Two Hands, it's your boy, been known as Two Hands since he came out the womb. We call him Two Hands because he could catch and he could throw either hand. He's ambidextrous. Matty Two Hands Turner in the goal for life. Welcome to the Turnerverse. On the left, we're going to have George Bello. Surprise, surprise. A little concern Bello. there for me. So this is me. Hello, 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 a, a. A under my George Bello. George Bello. <laughs> this is me pre-game being like, this is a huge mistake. We're going to have Miles Robinson and Jimmy Sando. I will tweet out the song that I am referencing when I say, Because it's Jimmy Sando. And on the right, we're going to have Reggie, the soccer player formerly known as Reggie. Formerly no. Canon. Um, the canonical. The one and only. <laughs> In the sixth, let's have Kellen Acosta. <laughs> let's have a dual eight. Sebastian Legette and uh, Boozy Baby, you're going to get your chance. You're going to get your chance. But we're going to start Eric Williamson in this one. Up I front, will. we're going to have Matthew Hoppiness is the truth. The truth. The one. There is only one truth. Okay? And it's Matthew Hoppy. We're going to have at the nine, Giasi Zardes. Why? Because DK maybe picked up an injury, didn't quite show. On the right wing, we are going to have Captain Paulie Ariola Nips, straight from Long Island, California. You know him, you love him. It's Paulie Ariola Nips. We love Suffolk this guy. Suffolk County, California. <laughs> Front of Jersey Shore in California. It's Paulie Ariola Nips. Guys, this game. Uh, I cannot start this game recap without first mentioning the look on Matthew Hoppy's face pre whistle. This man was smiling like a sociopath. 
It was like he had never felt what it means to be alive until this moment. His, the, the look in his glassy, glassy eyes as he gazed across those Mexican fans that he, whose hearts he was about to break. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. I'll never forget it. Uh, to the moon for you, Matthew Hoppy. As, as, as far as your career goes, I will never forget the look you had on your face when you started against Mexico for the first time in your life. Incredible. Uh, only legends and sociopaths have that kind of a reaction <laughs> to a moment like this. 11th minute, George Bello. Maybe handball turned into a corner kick that, count it, it was Matty Two Hands Turner's first save of the game. Every time this team plays in the first 20 minutes, Matty Two Hands Turner takes us into the Turnerverse. We, we would have been one down, but he said no. He said, no, 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 we were one down. We were. So what happened was, what happened was we were one down. The goal was scored. Matty Two Hands Turner turns back the hands of time in order to, to give us a second chance here in the 11th minute. Um, 14th minute, Eric Williamson, maybe concussion? Guess not. More on that later. 25th minute, hope Sebastian, we hope not. There's a little breakdown on the left side in the 25th minute. Ball bops out to Sebastian Legette, who puts Areola in on goal. Too legit. Had the whole goal, Areola did. Too legit, oh. I just cannot quit you, Sebastian Legette. Paul Ariola had the whole goal. Can't you. <laughs> Paul Ariola had the entire goal and missed it, as is uh, his as he is wont to do in Gold Cup finals. His, uh, it finals turns out. tradition. It's a, it's a yeah. finals tradition, which would lead us to twenty minutes of halfway decent Mexico chances. For some reason, given the Maddie Two Hands Turner situation. I felt a lot less stressed and sweaty than I normally do in this situation. The U.S. would get to the 43rd minute without conceding a goal. And in fact, it just didn't feel that chaotic. It didn't feel like it was going to happen, to be honest. I was almost afraid to say it at the time. I didn't want to jinx it. But, dude, it was just like, I'm all right with what is happening. Whatever. We were organized. There were shots, but we were organized. He's got two hands. And Maddie's got two hands, dog. (laughs) 43rd minute, Matthew Hoppy is just a foot away from scoring. It is so close to his moment, but wouldn't be. We'd go into halftime 0-0. As we return uh, from halftime, we would see a bunch of Jimmy Sando, uh, I want to say howlers, but not quite that bad. It was... It was falling apart for Jimmy Sando uh, in, the, in the first 10 minutes of the second half. And it was looking like that would be the weak link that would do us in. However, Mexican player Pineda was gifted two guilt-edged chances from Jimmy Sando's mental breakdown that occurred. Um, in all seriousness, mental health is a very important issue, and I make no light of that. But Jimmy Sando was losing his fucking mind in the first 10 minutes of the second half. Wasn't and good. Pineda saved us by missing twice in a row. Super hard. Should not have happened. The, the storm would continue for yet another 20 minutes or so when it started to feel a little different. 
things started to change. It started to be chaotic, yes, but equal. The U.S. was right in this, getting a few chances. We saw chaotic, a few but equal. Chaotic, but good. Chaotic, good is a thing. We saw the U.S. Uh, make a bunch of subs. Han Solo. Han Solo, chaotic good. <laughs> Clayton Fujimura, chaotic good. Let's do this. Shaq Moore would come in for Reggie, who was looking a little gassed, honestly. Sveinsteiger, Sam Vines. I'm trying that one out. Sveinsteiger. Sam Vinesteiger. Pretty funny, I think, but it doesn't actually make people laugh. It's a thinker. We'd come Vam in signs. for George. Vam signs is. <laughs> We'd come in for George Bello. Um, <laughs> And Christian Roldan would come in for Sebastian Legette, who was starting to show his age. Okay, okay, guys. 69th minute, Paulie Nips puts on the press and gets Hoppy a chance on goal. Could have passed Zardes here, but instead chooses to rip one. And he rips it on frame. We get cleared out for a corner. In the 70th minute, another Hoppy chance. It was looking like Hoppiness would be the truth. Uh, this chance came from none other than Miles Robinson dribbling... The entire field, uh, and and dishing this one out to Pauly Nips, who would who would uh, pass it over to Hoppy, etc., etc. Seventy second, Hector Herrera attempts to assassinate Eric Williams' son. Uh, is it Eric? It's Eric Williams' son uh, with some cleats <laughs> to Eric, the face. Eric Williamson's son. Eric, it is Eric Williamson's son. Eric Williamson's son, son, the second. With some cleats to the head. Somehow, not a red. We, we don't understand that. But um, a yellow here. Anderson Silva, heel to the face. TKO, yellow card. If you don't break a bone, it's not a red, apparently. If, you're, if you play for Mexico. And then in the 73rd, off of that free kick, there was the traffic coniest of all moments. When Giassi Zardes would stumble over himself, a Mexican player, the ball... Uh, and all of the Turner verses available. Uh, <laughs> somehow, this would not go in. We don't know. Quick WTP highlight. Wonder Woman sighted uh, during this corner. Beautiful. Love it. Wonder Woman. Uh, you and Donald Wine are, are in the finals for our only fan in the stands during COVID protocol. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we love it. We love it. Mexico would then follow that Send up. Send her to a, the swimming. <laughs> Mexico would then follow that up with a bodily chance of their own. Oh, and then, okay, real quick, 85th, Jacchini and Busio come in for Ariola and Williamson. And this is where um, this is where I'll break out the Booze Cruz nickname for Luca Busio. Booze Cruz Busio comes in. In the left 90th. The docks. He left the docks. In the 90th. He'll get his chance. It bopped out to him in the, at the 20-yard line, just about. 18th, maybe. Wide open. Looked like the whole goal was his. And he skies it. Too bad. Listen, though. We're going... At this point, we're going C-team to Mexico's A-team into extra motherfucking time. Tata Martino has already been fired. B-plus team. At this point, now that we won, it's a D-team. All right? I'm, I'm degrading <laughs> yeah, this exactly. as much as possible. Yeah. The, Tata Martino has already been fired. He's texting Atlanta United to see if he can get his job back. All right. <laughs> it doesn't matter how this game ends. It's over for Tata at Mexico. 91st minute. Kellen Acosta goes for an Olympico off a corner, and it is not far away, friends. Whoa! Would that have been... He goes been? for it twice, right? He goes for it's it like twice. First one goes Would out. Would that not have been 
a classic USMNT moment, not to be Acosta. It's all good. All right. There were a few other chances, but the only thing that matters here is what Miles Robinson would do. In the one twelfth, Miles Robinson somehow clears the ball twice in one play off of a free kick. And that's not because the first clearance was bad. It's because he was everywhere in this game. You remember that Sands was, uh, you know, looking like Sands? Sands? was falling apart. Robinson cleaned that whole shit up long ago, and in extra time, he just continues to do so. In the 118th, Mexico gets a no call, no call, could have been a foul for them, leads to a counter. Giacchini gets the ball on the left side on an outlet pass, earns a free kick, which he's been doing all tournament. This guy could get a free kick from nothing. He's better than Neymar at it. He makes it look real. Acosta takes the free kick, Perfect curler. Robinson finishes. Miles motherfucking Robinson finishes this. Was it offsides? No. Quick review, not offsides. Nope. In the celebration, Miles Robinson attempts to take his shirt off. He's just too swole for that shit, though. Could not get it off in time before his teammates came and embraced him. It was beautiful. This was a USMNT moment in history we have just won just a couple quick wtp highlights ty before i get to your first impressions someone threw out a bunch of cash in the audience after the (laughs) final whistle we hope this was fake money there was a bunch of adorable kids celebrating vegas baby underneath bills incredible second wtp highlight is luca busio when he gets the medal he bites it. No one else was doing that. I loved it. Last thing, Henry Kessler came in for, for Hoppy in this game. <laughs> People are going to forget that part. Ty, what was your first impressions? What are your first impressions? Going into the tournament, I think most U.S. fans had very low expectations, including us. We said, well, you can try to win the tournament or you can try to develop players. And we were frustrated when in the first match, the U.S. came out with a lineup that seemed to emphasize doing well in the tournament over developing players. And the U.S. kind of switched that up in the second and third games. So it seemed like everyone was on that wavelength. And then the team just started winning. The U.S. got a maybe fortunate tight win over Jamaica. Went up against Qatar, found a way to beat a Qatar team that is probably better uh, skill-wise than this USMNT lineup. And finally got into this final where we needed the performance of a lifetime plus a little bit of luck plus a poor Mexico performance. And that's exactly what happened. But at this point... When our A team has beaten Mexico in the last two months and our C team has beaten a lot of the same players again in the span of two months, you have to say that the U.S. is the best program in CONCACAF at the moment. And that is something that we've expected to happen someday after a long period where it was very much not the case. And suddenly it's here. 
the 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 growth of this program has accumulated to the point where we can confidently say that the U.S. is the best program in CONCACAF today. Holy shit. I cannot believe. I did not dare to dream that we would be sitting here celebrating this win. I truly didn't. No, no. I I didn't even think we would make the final. I, I, I honestly thought this was like a quarterfinal exit situation because the, the rest of CONCACAF has gotten so much better. I thought these these upgraded teams like Jamaica and Canada... One of them would find a way to knock this this young U.S. team out. And, you know, as far as young teams go, it's it's one thing to just be the best young players from the country, but they're not. It's like the, they, they said on the broadcast that this is the youngest U.S. lineup to ever be in a Gold Cup final, but it wasn't even the coolest options at those age groups. And it's unbelievable. And then it was the youngest lineup and then it got younger by the end of this. And it got and younger. And it got younger. What is happening? So is this, Ty, so, let me ask you, is this a, is this a fluke? Did we, uh, what, what happened here? Is it, so it, it's a bit of a fluke because I think Mexico definitely, uh, Mexico had the chances to win the game. Yeah. They didn't put those chances away. Whether you attribute that to, to skill or luck is a different question. From the U.S.'s perspective, it's definitely luck. We got let off the hook a couple of different times in really big spots where Mexico really should have uh, should have scored. But uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. There you go. And this U.S. team was very prepared, had a very clear game plan, did rather well tactically maintain their shape for for a lot of the game before it started to break down like most uh u.s mexico finals eventually do and did everything they possibly could to win and that's that's all you can ask for i don't think even even in those moments where james sands was given the ball up or anything like that like i don't fault james sands for making those mistakes the the u.s program asked a ton of a young man like that in a tournament like this, asking him to play in, you know, complex positions and formations that require him to, to move in ways he's maybe not used to. And then putting him into the, uh, the cauldron of this kind of final with, you know, a uh, huge pro Mexico crowd uh, on his back. And Walker so I, I, I feel injured. like the, the entirety of the U S team had uh, at least a decent performance in this, in this uh, final and, and, you know, deserved to win in that regard, that, that, I don't think any of the players really uh, came out without the motivation, the drive, or the preparation to succeed. So, you know, this group has has clearly won our hearts. And they are flawed, they are limited, um, but they are winners. And they won our hearts, uh, they won my heart prior to this final. Um, but I think they, they probably won a lot more hearts, you know, now. I think that tomorrow Absolutely. morning, uh, some Americans will hear about this that didn't really know it was happening. And they will not well, realize... Well, our, our, <laughs> our fear going in was that Americans would see this team suck and tune out again because they thought, you know, oh, classic U.S. can't compete with the rest of... Even, even the rest of our region. And uh, I'm, I'm loud wrong on this. So I, I stand very, very pleasantly corrected that this team was actually able to have so much success in this tournament 
it's uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this, to be honest. As a U.S. fan, I've so rarely tasted a unexpected victory. What is happening? I don't know what to do with so myself. There are a couple superheroes that have, have risen out of this. And so let's start with the superest of them all, Miles Robinson. Is there any way to give this guy enough credit? He didn't put a foot wrong the whole tournament. I don't remember a single moment where he made a substantial error. He was just effective, solid, and as you said, with Sands being so inexperienced and prone to errors uh, throughout the tournament, um, Robinson just gave that solidity that the team needed. And so for me, undisputedly, the, the MVP of this team and the MVP of the tournament, not only playing every single minute in a tournament where the U.S. gave up one goal on a penalty, that he did not but also, give up. Which he did not give up. But also <clears throat> popping up to score the fucking winner in the final in extra time against Mexico. The most epic moment, certainly, of uh, Miles Robinson's career so far. And you, you had felt kind of a couple games in that you were impressed, but you weren't ready to put him into that conversation for, uh, you know, maybe a starting spot or, or to be much higher on the U.S. depth chart. How do you feel now as a result of the the last uh, two performances? He has to be in the conversation. He's got to be there. I I was not sold until this final. You're you're correct. Um, sometimes it can be difficult with defenders because you when when it's going well for a defender, you don't notice them, and right. so you don't really. I, I you know maybe I missed it. Maybe I didn't see it. Um, but he didn't stand out to me. Um, and maybe that's because the opposition wasn't as strong. Maybe it's because I don't have quite as good an eye for for center back decisions as others uh, may. The what? The, but there is a difference when you play Mexico. When you play in a final, the stakes are higher, and the ability to um, hold it down suddenly stands out a lot more and it means a lot more and you saw james sands maybe he made a couple mistakes a game uh in the previous games but he did not look like he was getting outplayed defense uh, when he was defending in this game he was clearly getting outplayed as a defender straight up so he didn't make a random pass mistake that's what we've seen he was getting outplayed as a defender um, and he was getting worked. And to see targeted he was getting and targeted and worked. And to see Miles Robinson back him the fuck up on multiple occasions was inspiring. And to see him get the goal off a set piece is also inspiring. It Sergio Ramos comes to mind. Uh, not obviously he is not playing at the level of a vintage Sergio Ramos, but this is the kind of performance that Sergio Ramos would put together in a tournament where you kind of, you know, he's there, he's doing well, he's doing well. And then in the final, he just has a monstrous game and carries the team on his back and scores with his head has to be in the conversation. Does miles Robinson absolutely ready for a transfer to Europe Super down uh, to to see that happen. I think that you know transferring to Europe is important. But when we talk about um, the heroes of this tournament in particular, and there are a couple more I'm going to bring up, we are talking about MLS guys who who came to this tournament and did what they do, um, and, and college guys too. College guys, guys who played in ca- 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 college. Think about that. Um, Which is weird. 
it's this totally separate track from everything that we have going on with the the uh, you know theoretical A team. So anything else on Miles Robinson here before we move to some of these other superheroes? I, I just look forward to seeing him face even stiffer tests. Yeah, ha- ha- having seen him pass. Where this do you rank him right now for you on on your center back in the in the pool center back pool? Well, there's there's a big uh, there's a big cluster next to John Brooks. Yeah. So I mean, tomorrow I think I'd I'd go with him. Um, you know, over I don't know. Miazga, Long, or Richards, you know, young Richards. So, but I think it's tight. And, and I think it just proves that he's very much in the conversation. I think if the U.S. has a, a 23 to pick tomorrow, he's got to be on that 23, got to be in that group. And he he can clearly, he doesn't necessarily do all of the things that Greg is asking for from the center backs, which I guess is one of the, the tricky things. He doesn't necessarily have that pass that uh, Zimmerman has or Long has or even Brooks. But maybe if he's playing with Brooks, it's a little bit mitigated. And he's just so, so solid. That's that's often really what what we are lacking in in big spots. It's just a, a, a rock. Some solidity. To avoid, and the ability to uh, get errors. the ability to get better when the stakes raise higher is is special and rare. Totally. Totally. And he did yeah. that. He showed us that he has that. So if he can train up a, a little on his uh, packing stats, if he can get those packing stats up, we are looking at a, a serious, serious contender. Um, is he, can he play right center back or no? What's his deal over there? Someone let us know. Reach sure. out to us on Twitter, I guess. I don't really know. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about his uh, club career. But wow, we are talking about a serious contender. Another hero, very important superhero from this monumental uh, victory from this tournament and this performance. It is two hands Turner. Ty, we are we are recording a video live, and Ty just put up his two hands. Maddie, two hands. It is two hands Turner. He's got the both. idea, left the and idea right. that Zach Steffen was being challenged for the number one spot was at first laughable six months ago. Laughable, of course. He plays for Man City. Laughable. <laughs> And he, he goes out injured. For Man City. <laughs> he plays every once in a while. For Man City. Uh, when nothing better is going on. For Man City. Uh, and then he goes out injured in the final of the Nations League. And Ethan Horvath has himself a vintage USMNT moment. Beautiful. Back in the picture. There's some competition. We're happy now that Zach Steffen is getting pushed. And then. And then. Matt Turner. Matt Turner comes out from literal left field from the actual actually was playing outfield before (laughs) into the usa lineup okay even then it was this is this guy's moment he totally deserves it he's gonna get a gold cup he's gonna have that on his resume that's a great memory for life beautiful what an amazing story matt turner two hands and then he comes in and has a tournament unlike anything we have seen between the sticks in a U.S. jersey since Tim Howard. A ridiculously That's what came to mind. A ridiculously lockdown Gold Cup, which was very he was very much under fire, very very much under fire from first whistle, very close to the first whistle of many of these games 
to the last whistle. This guy held it TF down. Ty, we've been asked this in on the YouTube on the YouTube oh comments. Boy. We you know, everyone's talking about it. Is Matt Turner the number one keeper for the US? I don't want to overreact because you have to realize that the Gold Cup is a very top-heavy tournament. And the the first three games that we had were more or less the friendlies leading into the tournament uh, in a lot of ways. So I think it's, a, it's very much a small sample size, but Matt Turner did absolutely nothing wrong, similar to, to Robinson, just no moments where you have any doubt that he's got it. And I was so, I was almost uh, disturbed by how little stress I felt in that first half as Mexico had possession near our goal because I just thought it was inevitable that that Turner would find a way to repel anything that that came his way it's insane so I I'm I'm blown away I wasn't expecting this but I think we have a very tight competition between three great goalkeepers to be the number 1 for the US national team and Again, as of next week, if we were to play games, I think if the U.S. is expecting to be under pressure, if we're playing a really, really strong opponent, I think I won Matt Turner. <laughs> because if we're able to play Berhalter ball, build up out of the back, all that great stuff, Zach Steffen is a perfect fit. But if what we are going to be doing is defending, trying to counter trying to find a moment on a set piece like we did tonight to win a game, and we're going to be facing a lot of shots, I don't think there's any keeper... There, there may be not that many keepers around who are as good at Matt Turner as Matt Turner at stopping shots. It's unreal. It's ridiculous. The man's got the touch of a high school uh, goalkeeper. So, you know, his his... His foot skills agricultural leave a lot <laughs> to be desired, but his shot stopping is inspirational. I go back to the 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 uh, the weird shoulder save. What team was that against? The shoulder save that was that might have been game two. That was Jamaica, I think. Was right? that Jamaica? Yeah. One yeah. of those. Yeah, that's right. They, that was the first minute chance it was that Jamaica had. First minute chance. Everyone's gonna show his his outstretched highlights and shit. But that goal will, I mean, that save, will that goal should have been, will remain in my memory as one of my favorite saves of all time. It is the strangest body shape, um, total creativity. You know, this, what strikes me as a moment of genius, um, an unsavable, unsavable shot from zero range, from three feet away from his face. He does a weird thing with his body, and it's over the post somehow. Somehow, um, this this guy is special. It's really cool. If only we could get Zach Steffen. He's weird. He's, he's a weird dude. He's not a normal MLS level goalkeeper. No, there's something happening. He's not Brad Guzan either. No, he's not Brad Guzan. He doesn't look like a goalkeeper. He's just an abnormal. This is an abnormal situation. This is not something we. That it's it, it's a very day. abnormal situation. This this whole thing 
is freaking me out. We've got we've got good players who we weren't counting on being good, as opposed to having bad players who we were counting on being good. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, all right. So before what, we what's, get... what's happening? What's this glut of success and talent? Yeah, something. What, what, what do we so do with this? Yeah, there's another aspect. I'm gonna get back to another hero um, here in a second. But you, since you brought it up, there's another aspect to this that is that cannot go unspoken, which is that there are players we thought would never go beyond what we had seen. We thought we had seen everything we needed to see from Christian Roldan. We thought we had seen everything we needed to see from the, the big one is Kellen Acosta. We thought- Oh, I thought you were gonna say Giassi. Well, Kellen Acosta. And we thought we had seen everything we needed to see from Giassi Zardes. So these three guys have all surpassed their level from three years ago um, to a degree that is currently having a serious impact on the player pool, which involves players like Josh Sargent, who went to Werder Bremen at 12 or whatever the fuck and waited <laughs> until he turned 18 so he could work. Three. <laughs> um, what is happening, and, and how is it possible that Kellen Acosta, Giassi Zardes, and you could maybe leave Christian Roldan out of that conversation, but since I, I love Seattle, I'm, I'm keeping him in. How is it possible that these three guys are, have reached a level that we didn't expect, first of all, and such a, a high enough level that they're, they will have a serious impact on the player pool? Well, I think it's expected that of a certain generation, you have some who grow from that early 20s stage and, and exceed expectations, right? That's, that's typical. What's not typical is that while that's happening, you have a whole other generation of players several years below that group who are hard to deny as they progress even faster than any generation has before. So what we've been undergoing the last uh, decade or so has been a gap in the player pool where a lot of players like your, your Breck Shays, for instance, failed to progress in the way that you would normally hope that your players do, where they peak around 28, they just kind of get, get better until they're 28 or 29, and then there's a steady decline. And it just kind of didn't happen. Juan Agadello as well, another great example. And so what we're experiencing is, first of all, that normal trajectory is happening where some of our players who we were really frustrated with uh, earlier on in their careers, they have been progressing, doing, doing well in MLS and continuing to start and all of that and having great careers. And that has made them better players. But we also have this parallel track of these, these young superstars at the same time. And that's an incredibly strong position because in the past, the U.S. would have been reliant entirely on the Christian Roldans of the world to win World Cup qualifiers and play in World Cups and things like that. And now these guys can be on the fringes of the national team program, pushing that younger generation, helping that younger generation to get better and raising the standard of the player pool as a whole. So we've kind of displaced that type of player with this new generation, but the fact that they're still around is going to be beneficial for everyone. 
It is beneficial, and it cannot go without being said that the MLS has improved a lot, year over year. Past couple of weeks, I've, I've you know spent some time uh, watching the MLS, as I tend to do a little bit each year, um, and it's happening. It has happened. The MLS is is totally as dope to watch as these Bundesliga two games that are on, and almost as good as those Bundesliga one games. It's and I- happening. One other odd thing about this game is that the players that Mexico was missing, they were missing Ochoa, who I think is a, a, a moderate upgrade over Talavera. But they were missing Vela and they were missing Chicharito, who are both MLS players. And I was thinking also watching uh, Rodolfo Pizarro come in um, late in the game, that we're seeing MLS players be the 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 pivotal, the... The pivotal players, the the protagonistas, as it is said in Spanish, of the top-level matches in CONCACAF. And that's unique. You know, it it used to be that if if there were uh, MLS players on the Mexican team, they were maybe on the fringes. And it used to be that the MLS Americans couldn't beat the the Mexicans in, in Liga MX. So... So the the balance of power shifting within the leagues, the the relative success shifting around within the leagues, is having a very substantial effect, and it's it's hard to see that being better for Mexico than it is for the U.S. We shall see. Um, it's almost like it's like should we be talking more more about Mexico and like the specifics of this game? There's another hero I want to bring up. Um, and that is GGG, Greg Berhalter. Ty, hey. ha, Ty has gone. Ty is on record as I've been. Greg has slowly, you know, worked his way into my heart over not just this, but also how he handled the Nations League. But for me, I think Greg did a bunch of psilocybin during the, his COVID quarantine. <laughs> he is a different dude. I something Wouldn't changed. Shock me. He totally he something clicked for him. Um, and I have kind of been warming up uh, for a while to the to, on the to the Greg train. Ty, you've stated that um, you will withhold your your Greg take, your Greg judgment, your final Greg grade, the GGG um, for <laughs> my, when my, you my see G four your G four when you for when you see the lineup of the first World Cup qualifier. Okay. I'm okay with that. Where are you at today? Uh, this man has successfully phased out a bunch of duds. Jackson Ewell being the, the, the key, uh, the, the main one. He's made a lot of well-timed subs. He has put uh, many young players in positions to succeed. The only one that didn't quite come off was DK. But all over the field, we are seeing young and the youngest and most interesting players that were brought on this roster given real chances and um and flourishing in those real chances how do you feel about greg's performance at the moment atm i'm still conflicted because game one of this tournament i'll I'll just pick on jackson ewell a little bit Mm mm-hmm 
Jackson Ewell clearly not international caliber. We've seen that in the friendly performances that he's had for the U.S. I think maybe he played in the in the um, uh, Nations League semi a little bit. I forget. But basically, whenever we've seen him, it's been clear. He's good enough for MLS. He was pretty good for the U23s. Not good enough for the national team, at least not right now. And yet, game one, Greg just trots him out. And that's the kind of stuff that just... It, it, it drives the fan base crazy, and I don't know if it's bad or good. But he he went with a lineup that was the, the exact kind of opposite lineup that everyone was hoping for. And the U.S. got through that game, to their credit, um, and went into the next game, and Greg changed it. And Greg changed it, and he found a lineup that he kept relatively consistent throughout the rest of the tournament. And so, you know, I give him a lot of credit for... for seeing those things and making adjustments, but it is frustrating that he didn't see that in the prior 10 games that he had Jackson Ewell around. So I don't know what to make of that. I feel, I don't feel like I have an extreme amount of trust in Greg's roster decisions, but his adjustments have certainly been good. And we've seen that both in terms of changing between games and also changing within games. There have been, uh, there were a number of uh, moments within this tournament where he was able to, you know, switch something up, switch up our our shape or switch up the personnel. And those moves seem to uh, generally be be positive. But what I thought was the most exciting and interesting about Greg's performance in this tournament was his intensity. Because the guy who gets up in the face of the fourth official during the last match that's a very different guy than we saw when he was new to this job, when he was overwhelmed by the challenge of putting together 23 soccer players in one city to play a game. When, the, when, he, when he was, when he was remarking about how difficult it was to be a national team coach. It's like, well, I hope you're ready for that because that's kind of table stakes for the job. There's a lot more you have to do on top of that. And so I feel like I saw a much more confident and much more comfortable uh, Burhalter, and, and maybe some psilocybin was involved. I don't know. I'm not going to say it wasn't. <laughs> but whatever happened, we have a better version of Greg. And I think the, regardless of, you know, what psychedelics he's on, <laughs> COVID affected everyone and everything. And that long break, I think, to think about the way that he wanted this team to run how he, how much he wanted to insist on certain philosophies and what was like really important to him and how he wanted to approach things. I think that really helped. It must have, you know, the, the whole Tyler Adams right back, you know, debacle um, seems far in our memory now. And a little COVID break can do that for you where you realize, you know what? I, I'm going to do four through three most of the time. And um, I'm going to bring in, you know, Players who can play that system, uh, there's a lot of, there's a combined simplicity with um, a clarity of, of judgment where he's, he's making strong choices at important moments and they are going well. Is a lot of people, so no one will ever question this roster again, aside perhaps from us, right? Because we wanted to have an A-team roster for the Gold Cup. <laughs> Greg brought 
who Greg wanted to Greg, bring. You know what? And then he you got won us on that thing. <laughs> he got us on that one, Greg. So did, was it wrong? The fuck eats the things that he can't see. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think you have to be a little bit circumspect because let's say Maddie Two Hands doesn't come up with that crazy shoulder save, save. against Jamaica. And we go out against or, Jamaica. Sure. Or even even in the first game, that, that Haiti game was not totally locked down, right? There there were a lot of moments where Haiti might have might have uh turn the tide there and the Qatar game obviously the penalty missed so you have to consider the universe of possibilities that could have happened based on the decisions that that Greg made based on the decisions the Federation made so it's it was certainly possible for us to to have a a, a disastrous tournament we didn't right so you can't you can't really you know critique based on uh, that ground um, but I, I I just I, I guess first and foremost you just have to give credit to these players and this team because I think not only did they outperform who they are but they're better than we thought they were and I think that's that is fair and deserved that they get a little bit more credit for for not being 2007 Christian Roldan anymore but being a 2017 Christian Roldan, but being being a, a new version Roldan of Christian was Roldan. not even close. He was he in was diapers. <laughs> um, man, USA just defeated Mexico again, again. Ty, what's to come for us? We've got World Cup oh. qualifiers. Oh, on this is just the beginning the of the excitement, my friends. They're on the calendar. Is, it's 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 about to it's about to get really really exciting in the next few months. So the next big competition for U.S. soccer for the U.S. M&T is World Cup qualifying, which is the most tense and wild ride. If you have not experienced it in the past, you are in for a treat. Traditionally, it's been six teams from CONCACAF, of which three teams go through to the World Cup. The fourth team goes to a playoff against a team from another confederation. I'm not sure which confederation that is this time. So six teams into three guaranteed spots and a playoff. Fairly easy to qualify. Somehow we managed not to qualify last time, so it wasn't that easy. But this time, CONCACAF has made it a little bit harder. They've added two more teams. So obviously that gives you two more hopefully easy wins, but it also gives you more teams that could potentially surprise you. And it means that less of the field qualifies out of qualifying. And because there are more matches and there is less time because of COVID, the games are going to be played three per window rather than two per window. So we're used to it being an international break where the weekend is off from professional matches, and the U.S. would play on a Thursday and then play on a Tuesday. But because of this crazy schedule, it's going to be Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday. Mm. And, or or so. Or some some. And that is thing. going to be so, so exciting, because the, what's, what is, like, hard about this is 
when people when when you wait so long for the US to finally be able to play games, you just get to see them play too. You get to see like a little bit of progress. Uh, but it's going to be so amazing to see this much action so quickly. And it's going to be eight teams all the way. Everyone's off. No excuses. You bring your best team. Thank God we have some depth. Because we're going to need it. If we're playing three-game windows, plus the club season's going on, there's going to be injuries, there's going to be surprises. Um, we are going to we're going to need it. This is a very special time, folks. Like I said, it's the time to get your friends involved. It's the time to get your, get your friends involved. Who do, we, who do we play first? We know that, right? That's on the schedule somewhere. Should we look that up? So we start qualifying with a perfect set of matches to see what this U.S. team is made of. And I'm not talking about the hardest matches that we're going to play in CONCACAF. I'm talking about the ones that can often trip us up. So we have El Salvador away. The first game. El Salvador had a great Gold Cup. They have this resurgence of players, including Alex Roldan. Of the Roldans. <laughs> you know them, you love them. You know them, you love them. So it's going to be absolutely incredible to see how well the U.S. can cope with the adversity of going to Central America, which has gone so wrong so many times in the past. Then we have Canada at home. Ugh. to renew the Canada rivalry, but it'll be the, the actual first-choice Canada team, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David, and all the rest. And uh, then finally, there's another away match in um, Central America. I think it's Guatemala. So it's exactly the kinds of games that we have been fearing because it's not necessarily, you know, it's not it's not even the big games at home that that typically go wrong for the U.S. When the U.S. gets into trouble, it'll be because of these away games. And we can break out our hope from virtually all of qualifying last time, which is that we hope that the team does not make excuses about losing to much, much worse teams because it's going away in CONCACAF. Fuck that. Fuck, fuck that. that. If we there's have ever been proved. a time to say, fuck that, it's now, it's this team. We, this team is so good. The, the C team of this generation just won the Gold Cup over so a ridiculous. much, much stronger Mexico team. It's so so there is absolutely no excuse for the, the superior team to, to do well. So Ty, let me ask you a question. We've got... Canada's on the up and up. Jamaica is not your mama's Jamaica. And <laughs> we've got two new two new teams in the mix. Is it possible? Is there any way? I'm going to go ahead and just get ahead of myself for a second. Just let let it let it let a boy dream. Is there any way that Mexico fails to qualify for the World Cup this cycle? There's definitely a way. It happens to everybody, as we found in last uh, cycle. But for me, I really want Mexico to qualify. I want Mexico to barely qualify. I want them to go to that playoff and maybe have another playoff after that and have to travel all Fire over the world. Fire a bunch of coaches. Fire a bunch of coaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to... I want, I want, um, what's his face? Miguel Herrera. I want Miguel Herrera to be in charge at some point during this. <laughs> journey. <laughs> so I, I want them to struggle and suffer, but I do want them to qualify because because I, I got to tell you, I like watching Mexico play in World Cups. I, I, 
I enjoy watching Mexico when it has nothing to do with us. And when Mexico does well, that pushes us to do even better. So I, I, I hope they do. But I, I have to, you have to think that they're in a tough spot. They, they seem to have a little bit of the generation gap maybe that, that we had. Uh, in in the last cycle, where the the players who are in the middle there, your Pizarro's, Pineda's, they're not quite reaching the level that the prior generation did, and there's there's still some time to go before the next generation is going to be ready. I am with you in terms of enjoying, you know, Concacaf representation in general, and even Mexico in the World Cup. I do enjoy that, and I also, frankly, like. I I live in America. I Mexican culture is a part of is a vital part of my culture. Like, um, in order you you know you can't you can't throw a stone on a pickup soccer field without coming across a bunch of um, Mexican immigrants. And uh, you know I worked in uh, I don't know man like it's it's a part of my everyday life is Mexican culture, which makes me Mexican to a to a degree. I'm not sure how. Uh, Mexicans would feel about me saying that. I, I don't really know or claim to know, but I, you know, I do feel an, affi- an affiliation with with an Mexican affinity. an affinity yeah. uh, to Mexican culture um, because it is such a real part of my life, right? So there is that. However, <laughs> uh, just once, just this once, um, I would I would love for Mexico to not go, especially since, (laughs) especially since we have, you're just buttering them up. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just give, give me one because especially in part for the reasons that you're saying, this is not a classic Mexican team. This is, you know, when, when, when Diego Linus and, and Efra are, are leading the line and are peaking, you know, maybe then, maybe then I'll, I'll, have a little bit more room in my heart for Mexico qualification. But if this is the chance and, and just seeing some of these other CONCACAF nations that have never seen the light of day, Canada has the potential to, to become a real side, a classic side, uh, which they've never had the opportunity to do before. And if I had to choose between Canada or Mexico going to this world cup, I'm not talking about forever, every world cup, just this time, I would choose Canada for sure. Um, I want to see that. So, and you know what? Yeah, you do have to pick because they all can't get in. Well, and it would be pretty sweet if it was like U.S., Jamaica, Canada. Come and on, then, dog. yeah, Costa Rica in the playoff. Oh How sick would that be? How sick would I? I'll 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 concede. I'll take U.S., Canada, Mexico, and then, <laughs> no, and then Jamaica here's here's the, yeah, how playoff. it'll finish. It'll be U.S. A team. U.S. B team, <laughs> U.S. C team, <laughs> and Canada in the playoff. Okay, yeah. guys. Anything else on this? I mean, we relish this moment. We relish this moment. It's so special. This has been this summer. Has I don't know gone what to do with myself. Better than this, I could this... possibly have imagined. Totally. Daryl totally. DK and... won two trophies off the bench. <clears throat> on the bench. That's right. Firmly butt so cheeks on Ewell. the bench. Jackson DK Ewell. and Ewell. Doing this thing. They're like the, uh, it's like, yeah, they're the Chris Richards of the Gold Cup right now with their, with their Champions League wins. But enjoy it. You know, we, we spend, because we 
are U.S. fans, it seems like we're always thinking about the future more than we are the present. Because we have this sense that the U.S. is a sleeping giant and eventually will take its place among the top soccer nations of the world and will fulfill its promise and potential as a, a soccer powerhouse. And so we're always somewhat feeling like it's a dress rehearsal, you know, and I think in doing so we can lose sight of the, the, the joy of a victory like this. So Kings of CONCACAF, undoubtedly, there's, there's no asterisk on that. The, the team roster definitely made things much more complicated, but because they ended up winning despite that roster, it makes the success even less complicated. The success is so obvious. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled. Uh, I never expected this, this win to happen, and it's one we'll always remember because it was so far-fetched and, and uh, unexpected on everyone's part. This is the best summer that we have had since starting this podcast. In the entire <coughs> life of this show, this is the dopest run of form that this team has ever been on. And I am so grateful to have shared that with you, Ty. And I am so, so grateful to have shared that with you, the listener. And if there are no yes. further thoughts, I'd like to wrap us up. Any last thoughts let's, here? Let's let's wrap it up. I hate to let this tournament go. I'll, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more real quick. Which was less likely? The Nations League win in the final or the Gold Cup win in the final? Now, I'm not saying which is less, which is more important because, of course, Christian Pulisic and Weston McKenney with Tyler Adams in in the stadium uh, taking the taking the reins of this team and defeating Mexico for the first time in a long time and doing so in a final and getting their first trophy in the jersey is the most important thing uh, is, is in the history of this team that happened this summer. That is clear for me. Ty, which which is the which is the least likely? Which is the most remarkable? Let's say this, this is the most remarkable. I think the for the Nations League was the most important because I think it was very very important that our top group of young players have a success like that. And I think if that was a tough loss to Mexico, I think the program feels very very different right now. But this is undoubtedly the most surprising i mean and the and the, the hardest the, the the harder victory to earn and we should be clear also that these were both wins at home and we know you know against uh, mexico at home it's not quite a home game uh, but we have yet to see how this generation a b or c team will do when faced with the pressures of uh, being on the road being in in harsher circumstances but I did not see this coming whatsoever. And you, you have to give the, the team a lot of credit for, for dramatically outperforming what, what anybody would have, would have uh, considered possible. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Hey, I love red things, especially tomatoes. Beautiful. Put them on so many things, turn into a great sauce. Love me some tomatoes. 
and they're red. Also, I, I enjoy, you know, uh, things of the color white from time to time. This got different than, this feels different now than I thought it would when I started. But um, <laughs> almond milk, delicious, uh, delicious. It is of the color white. And, and I, I enjoy that. I enjoy almond milk. Um, I also, I, I love blue things. My, my bedspread is, is blue. You can't see it because my awesome Ricardo Pepe background on the YouTube stream right now, but <laughs> I keep it blue because blue represents and cues for the subliminal mind, uh, creativity and sort of a, a, a youthful uh, comfort piece for your child self. So blue is very, very nice. But I don't love any of that shit as much as I, for life, since life done been will do forever love the gnats let's keep it going boys good job boys it's we the peeps it's we the peeps welcome to we the peeps are you ready for we the peeps Holy moly, it's we the peeps.